no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Berry Essentials. On today's show, we are joined again by Mike Hughes from ASAP Network as we break down the Bears' 53-man roster and much, much more. What's good, Perez? Hey, man, I'm good, man. I'm fucking fired up to have my homie Mike back on the show, man. Mike had some great reviews from the last episode. I was like, we better get him back in here, man. We can chop it up on this 53-man roster. Mike, what it do, bro? Man, we're living. We're doing stuff with Skytown. Bears football's on the way. Cubs playoffs. We got a lot going on in the shy right now, brother. I'm living. Oh man, I, I know you were dub and happy about the latter. I'm just more indifferent, man. I'm just trying to trying to stay safe out here in these streets, going to baseball games in this city. So, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> oh man. Hey, good luck over there, Perez. You going to low end, Perez? Over there on 35th, man. Just make sure you got your bulletproof vest on, bro. Oh, listen to you. You know what you sound like? <laughs> you, know, you sound like a Republican right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, but listen, hey, audience, got Mike back in the building, man. Hey, we're we going to cut right to the chase, fella. Last time we were on the show, we were talking about how this team was looking. We were gearing up for the joint practice against the Colts. But listen, no more preseason talk. The 53-man roster set, Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham spoke. Fellas, talk to the audience about some of your takeaways, at least from that press conference, because those dudes, they left a lot on the table for us. Friends, I was excited, man, to hear Ryan Poles speak at the press. I think first thing for me was that he put to rest these little trade rumors, right, when it come down mm. to Money Moon and Travis Gibson. Because I know we know what happened with Travis Gibson. We also understand where Mooney is at from a contract and Trev said he didn't request that trade, bro. So where do you think that rumor came from? I ain't going to cut you off, but you brought it up. Where do y'all think that shit came from, real quick? Because that's just kind of well, weird. Coming off of seven sacks in 2021 in a 3-4, I mean, the guy was absolutely electric. Last year only had three, and it was really after a lot of other guys went down. And, you know, let's be real about the situation. Six and a half sacks as a whole defense. Uh, you know, it's just there's not a lot going on. So he, he got his dues in. He got his licks in. But – you know, it, it's definitely been a difference for him going into a 4-3 with Eberflus. And, and I think they respect him so much that they gave him that option of, hey, let's let's see if there's any value for you. Now, us as media, we understand how that could be construed and, and how that can be manipulated into thinking a Jonathan Taylor type situation to where it's like, no, maybe Travis was the one who initially said that. But I don't think it was like that whatsoever. Um, I think the media kind of spun that the way they wanted to to fit some narrative. But I think at the end of the day, the Bears were just trying to do right by him uh, and try to get something for him rather than just wave him. Well, because that's the point, Mike, when I was looking at it, right? When I heard the rumor, and you're right, you know, they kind of spun it that he asked for permission or his agent was seeking that permission. Whatever happened there, the Bears didn't trade him. And I was surprised as fuck. And we'll get into that in a second because I was surprised that they cut him. I'm like, dude, you, I would have thought they would have got something for the guy. Right, he right. had a really solid fucking preseason, and he's got talent. And the fact that the Tennessee Titans picked him up for nothing, right. bruh, I'm sorry, Bill. Go ahead, man. I just I just had to touch on that one real quick. <laughs> they understood what Mike was alluding to, what he looked like in the 3-4 versus what he looked like in the 4-3. And although he had some good success that Perez brought up in the preseason, 
it's still preseason, right? That's good film. Good take to put out there, though, but was it enough to make this guy a great, great fit for this team long-term, right? Now, I think to Mike's point, the team just want to look out for the guy, man. They didn't want to devalue him, but how everything came out with the reports, it really did, may have even hurt him a little bit, you know, from that standpoint of how they interpret it. Because you know how it is with media, how they put things out there, it can make the player look bad. You know with the way Ryan Poles and that front office operate, as soon as that shit came out, them dudes scratched his name off that board. They're like, fuck this shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, we're in such a, a gritty, gritty world to where it's like, why would you trade for this guy if you're any other GM? Because when you have that conversation about you're allowing someone to seek a trade and you and you think there's maybe a chance, it's not like a Jonathan Taylor, I'm talking like a Travis Gibson to where you have guys like Yannick Ngakwe, you have guys like Demarcus Walker in front of him. So if you're another GM, I think the reason he wasn't traded wasn't because other teams didn't value him or the Bears didn't do a good job. Not saying you did say that, but like just for their perspective, I, I think it's more so like, well, why am I going to trade a six-round pick or a fifth-round pick for you if I know they're going to waive this guy anyways? And, and I think that's really the bigger picture for it is, like, teams understand if you're doing that and you're putting a player in that position where you're giving him the good grace to seek a trade, it's probably because you don't think he's going to make the 53-man roster and I could probably acquire him for slim to nothing if I just wait a couple more days. Well, well Mike, I mean, that's low-hanging fruit, but let's look at it from this standpoint. The Bears did a bad job on an asset. I think Travis Gibson, I don't yeah. care how it's spun, that's an asset on your team yeah. that you lost for nothing. That was a draft pick, a high mm -hmm. draft pick from a previous regime. My point was, even if I know that I'm not going to hold on to this guy, I'm not going to have you at the bottom of the depth chart. I want the other league. I want the outside league to think, oh, this is a guy that we want moving forward. That's right. my point. It, it was just surprising to me the way they handled the whole situation. And, Mike, you had a, a good point. He wasn't a fit for the scheme they were using. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. He wants to get back to a three, four, or five. But my point is, I thought they could have played their cards a little bit better. That's why I'm just still kind of sitting over here like, come on, man. We couldn't at least got a six-rounder for the guy? No, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and that was my only point was, like, I, I think when you look at it at the end of the day, um, Dub, I don't know if you how you feel about it, but, like, I think as a GM that's not Ryan Poles, I, I think you're like, this guy's going to cut him. Like, you can tell, to your point, like, they're not making him the face of the defense. They're not making him the number one pass rusher. They're not making him out to be a starter. So obviously they don't value him the way that we could potentially value him. So if they're just going to waive him, then we could wait that out. But I definitely agree sure. with you. I think it's crazy that, you know, Ryan Poles is kind of that guy that's like, yo, respectfully, whatever happened in that last regime, fuck it. Like, I do not care. <laughs> Which it's, I'm it's, good with. <laughs> I'm cool with it, too. And it's unfortunate for guys like Eddie Jackson, guys like Travis Gibson, you know, who you still respect so much and, and still can produce so much. But it's like, you got to love what Ryan's doing, which is like, yo, I'm worried about this current roster. I don't care about picks. I don't care about this. We already got all the picks from Carolina. got all these other other picks from Baltimore. Like, we're cool. And, and I kind of respect it in a way, but I do agree. Like, you know, you, you definitely could have spun that a little differently, I feel like, or at least tried to. And when, we, and when we factor in the fact that not only did Travis Gibson get cut, but Terrell Lewis got cut as well, right? That one, that one's so I'm looking at this shit like, come on, bro. We, we got two pass rushers that, and I mean, Doug, I know what you tried to say about preseason, but it still counts for something now. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. But, however, two of the top guys that performed out there get cut. And, Mike, we know that Jaquan Brisker led the fucking team in sacks last season. So I'm sitting here looking. I'm scratching my head like, what's going on? There has to be another move at play here. Has to right. be. And I want to go piggyback on one more thing, Perez, that you brought up around this team uh, when it comes down to Gibson. I think you and Mike kind of alluded to. I really did think the timing was pretty much 
the problem for me because here we go a week or so right before you have to put together the 53-man roster, and now these rumors come out, right? So now you're at a point to where you're right. you got to make some other decisions now. And it's definitely not going to be uh, the kid they picked up from the Rams from Notre Dame. Yeah, he ain't Dan Sager. <laughs> Nothing out of Notre Dame. Nothing out of Notre Dame. But, hey, hey, hey. We don't do that on this show, baby. We don't do that on this show. You come over here, man. You got you got you know sweep them shoes off real quick, man, before you come over on the couch now. He over oh, stomping on the couch. That Tennessee, that Tennessee dust, brother. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Man, it's all good. What kind of player do you see him potentially being? Like, do you see this being something that Obviously, in hindsight, you're going to understand it probably wouldn't happen here. We're in a 4-3. We're in a different scheme. So we can't look at it if he goes to a 3-4 and has a lot of success. But if he becomes a 7-10 to 10 sack guy a year, what does that mean for you guys? Like, is that is that a hit on Ryan Poles? Or is that really more of just, you know, it just is what it is? I'm still puzzled by the whole thing. I, I think for me personally, man, I saw potential in, in Triff. And I was surprised when I saw guys like Rasheen Green. I still don't know how the fuck he made the team. But when I saw that he was above Travis Gibson, that was the first signal in my mind that I'm like, they don't value this guy here. Like, I don't, I don't know what they value. And I know he underperformed only three sacks last season, but he still has talent, man. And I just couldn't understand from my standpoint how you let something like that walk out the door. I have a feeling that Tennessee, I think he's going to thrive. I mean, look with Demarcus Walker. He just left there. I feel like, shit, they replaced him. I mean, got a younger version. I mean, I think yeah. it's going to be a great thing. To Prince's point, he definitely has a lot of talent. I think with the right core group, he can be very effective. You put him with some other great players around him, you know, who can get the most out of him, can push him to be great, he's able to do some good things. So I think once you put him in the right fit, the right players, the right culture of players on that defensive side, he can definitely do some good things. He just wasn't here long enough with this new unit, right, for us to see this season. But he could go somewhere, else, like you said, Tennessee, and be even better. Man, you know, I, really looking into that and having those conversations, um, I, I think the key word I always take away from that is transparency. And, and I think understanding that, you know, like to, to Dub's point earlier, saying Jalen Johnson is here long term. Whatever you heard, throw it out the window. Darnell Mooney is here long-term. Marvin Harrison Jr., Chase Claypool, Tyler Scott, throw it out the window. These two guys are going to be cornerstone pieces. Not to say the others won't be. Not to say maybe next year's draft, if we get a top pick, maybe we still get Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe we still get another wide receiver. But the idea is that they are going to extend these guys sooner rather than later. Um, the transparency is absolutely incredible. It's something where I feel like, as an athlete, I would love to be a part of this organization. Because, one, they're holding you accountable. They're letting you know exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. This isn't the Indianapolis Colts where it's like, yeah, F you and everything you've ever done. You're the reason why we only won four games and you're a running back. And it's like you're, you're, you're in a completely toxic situation more times than not when you have a GM in this league because they're not truly looking out for your best interest. But I do feel like Ryan Polis looks in the best interest of these players. And I think a big part of that is him being a former Chicago Bear, is him being a former athlete as well. Um, I think you have to have those conversations with yourself and say that, you know, I, I don't mean to say that I'm still in the honeymoon stage with Ryan Poles, but this marriage has been amazing so far, man. I, I, there's nothing I can say that I feel like he hasn't been completely transparent with. There's nothing I can say to say, you know, he's he's giving us expectations that he can't live up to. He's always letting you know where he's at. And, and I think that's really the more beautiful part of what this rebuild has been is like, 
us understanding the direction, us having kind of a blueprint, kind of a map of what his mind is going through and where we're supposed to be. And, and I think that's really what I took away from it. Hey, Mike, I mean, that's 100% kind of the way that I saw it, too, the transparency. That's something we've talked about a lot, about just the way that he and Eva Flus both operate. It's refreshing, right? I'm not. We don't even need to go into what took place with other regimes, but it's been awesome. Just the fact that you ask Ryan Poles a question, you're going to get an answer. Now, of course, he's not going to fucking give you everything in his mindset, but you know, right. you can believe when he's telling you something that he's not fucking lying to your face, right? And that's something yep. that, that's really refreshing. Right. I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on one piece that I took from the presser. While we know that they cut P.J. Walker, right, and, you know, they brought him in on guaranteed money, yeah. but a lot of people were just kind of just assuming that Tyson Big Jake was going to be the, the QB, too. And it looked like Poles kind of poured some cold water on it and said they're still working through that. So what were you guys' thoughts when you kind of heard that? Because it was kind of assumed that Tyson was going to be the, the, the number two. Maybe the Bears are looking at maybe potentially adding another quarterback to the roster and maybe a veteran quarterback. Because I think it's always good to have a young QB and also have a veteran in the back, you know, helping them out or have some other things to share, another perspective. So I, it made me realize or think that, hey, maybe, again, Ryan Poles has something else up his sleeve. Is he trying to add another QB to the roster? And I will hope, for that standpoint, it could be a veteran who can come in and give us a different look, a different thought process. Yeah, you know, I think, Man, it's, it's tricky because you, you look at the list of quarterbacks that are still available in either free agency or obviously guys who just got waived or cut. And there isn't anybody I could particularly say right now that I think Brian Poles has his eye on. Um, I think the idea with P.J. Walker is, first and foremost, we were all at camp. We all understood what was going on. P.J. Right. Walker looked awful. Like, that's the reality. And, and I love that we're not being nitty-gritty when it comes to the money. Like, it's $2 million, bro. If I'm going to take a chance on a – 23-year-old kid who led the NCAA in, in all touchdowns and all receiving yards. And it's like absolutely incredible. Goes undrafted in Tyson Bajan. I mean, absolute stud. Um, hasn't thrown a touchdown yet. I will. I got to keep that same energy. I'll give him his praise, but hasn't you thrown know a what touchdown though? yet. He should have had one fucking Carlson drop that bitch. I will give him that. I will give him that. He should have had one. Very accurate from what we've seen so far. You know, I know how you guys are too. Same as me. I'd rather see the upside than – a product that I already know I have that isn't good. And, and that's really what it is. So understanding you have upside there, the Nathan Peterman one was kind of like, whoa, because, you know, the NFL gave you the luxury of having not only three quarterbacks, but a backup quarterback due to the San Francisco debacle that was last Correct. season. And we have, what, five RBs, four or five RBs. It's kind of like, you know, it's 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 a little nerve wracking. If Justin Fields, God forbid, goes down, you know, you, you trust Tyson Bajan. But after that, what really happens? And you're kind of in a situation kind of like San Fran where it's like, I don't know. I don't really know what the plan is right now. Obviously, I agree with Dub. I think there is a bigger picture. I don't know if it's a Cam Newton or that you're looking at still in free agency to kind of mentor Justin Fields. I mentioned Cam specifically because, you know, I think Peterman is a very good, uh, it's a very good motivational guy to kind of teach you the ways of what it's like to play in the NFL. But now Justin knows what it's like to play in the NFL. Now get the insight from a former MVP, a guy who's been to a Super Bowl, a guy who went 15 and one, you know, super cam, get those insights. And if cam's willing to do that, which I don't know if he is, I've kind of heard him in recent interviews. He still kind of sounds like the same cam uh, when it comes to the ego of starting in the NFL. But if he would be willing to work with Justin Fields, I, I want to kind of throw that idea out there to the world, speak it into the speak it into the existence. Um, I, I think that would be probably the best quarterback room for Justin Fields. 
And I mean, I wouldn't poo-poo that once whatsoever. Um, just to let you guys both know, Nathan Peterman was brought back to the team today, but I honestly don't see that being a long-term thing. I think he'll probably be a practice squad guy when yep. it's all said and done. But the reason why I just brought that up because I just was kind of curious from you guys' standpoints if you guys heard that because when I heard it, I was like, well, not so fast, everybody. Let's <laughs> let's pump our brakes a little bit because we don't know what the hell they got up their sleeves. And it was interesting that he said that. And again, it kind of speaks to what you were talking about, Mike, about that transparency and really just the guy putting it on the table. <laughs> he, he actually asked the fucking question. And I kind of like, I don't know if you guys heard from Tyson Bajan on what he texted Ryan Poles, but yeah. uh, to paraphrase that, if, if for all the listeners that haven't heard it already, it was basically like, you know, welcome to the Bears. Be ready to be the best version of yourself for Justin Fields. And then I liked the ending, which was just be ready. And, yep. and you kind of have that conversation where it's like, listen, you're brought here to help Justin. That's first and foremost. But I also right. want to put this in the back of your head. Just be ready in general because you never know. And, and I like that so much because we talked about that a, a few minutes ago about the last regime. Love Justin Fields. I fully believe that Ryan Poles believes in Justin Fields. But it's also not a guy that he drafted. So, you know, you have that conversation with yourself to where it's like Ryan Poles will do anything it takes in order to win football games. And, you know, not to say that he doesn't think Justin Fields is that guy. I'm not saying Tyson is that guy. But to have that conversation of letting a guy know, like, Hey, if you earn this, you earn this. Be ready. Be ready for every moment, every opportunity, because you never know when that's going to come. And I think that's just, again, uh, not again, we're always praising Ryan Poles, but I have to give him his flowers because he's always deserving of it. Is like you're being transparent with these guys. And, and I love that. Hearing Ian Cunningham and Ryan Poles speak about him at the presser was just, I mean, amazing to hear they talk about him. You know, a guy that's been consistent. They were saying about Tyson. He's consistent. You know, he's poised. And Ian Cunningham talked about with him coming into the game against Tennessee Titans. He was like, look, the guy seemed like he'd been here. He's ready. So we love to hear those type of things about a guy like him. And it just shows why he got the spot he, he deserves and why he actually earned a spot on his roster. One other thing that I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on was, obviously, we knew that Tevin Jenkins, it was rumored that he had multiple calf strains, one in each leg. Now we find out he's going to open the season on IR, could miss up to four games, could be more. So, obviously, with that in the mix, what are you guys thinking about this offensive line? And how confident are you guys in this offensive line heading into week one? I feel okay. I'm not extremely confident. Ryan Poles felt confident about the team. He didn't show any kind of panic when it comes to the O-line. But I really do want to see what they're able to do. I do like the fact that Nate Davis will be back, of course. Hopefully there's not much rust on him. I understand. <laughs> Nate Davis. Big Tennessee. <laughs> you talk about, you, you about the guy that wears jerseys all day? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay, we'll see what happens. I hope, the thing is, I understand why we signed him, but you're right, friends. I'm hoping he's able to show us why we signed him, right? Because he hasn't shown us anything, you know, in the offseason at all. So you look at your boy, you know, um, Braxton Jones, who's been your guy, your most consistent guy. He's going to be there. I think Darnell Wright is going to be fine as well. So seeing the fact that our tackles are okay, hopefully that should definitely put us in a good spot to say, Justin Fields, you got something to work with versus nothing to work with. It's fucked up. It, it really <laughs> is. Because it's like the, the way I look at the Bears offensive line for 2023, very different from 2022 because there was not a lot of talent on that offensive line. But what right. I do notice is this is the Chicago Bulls of the Chicago Bears offense. I, and I mean that in a way of, man, the talent is there. These guys are, we got the veterans, we got the young guys, but they are not healthy. 
And, and that's the biggest thing. It's, it's going to be the biggest what if. It's the Lonzo Balls. It's the Zach Ooh, movie. Don't say that word. Stuff. Don't say that. 100%. <laughs> I know, I know. Ouch. But, but Ouch. It's that conversation of, man, if these guys are on the field, I think Justin Fields can have an MVP caliber season. But are they going Facts. to be on the field? Now, one guy I want to bring up is Jatiree Carter. I, I think he's an absolute stud. I, I think he's going to make a lot of noise. I think he's going to be somebody that becomes a bigger part of this team. Kind of your Braxton Jones of last year. He's going to be a great fill-in for a guy like Tevin Jenkins, who I wasn't high on when we drafted him, and I wasn't high on, on him right now. Because, my guy, first of all, it's all about conditioning. I'm not right. trying to I'm not trying to right. sit up here and say anything negative about the way he takes care of his body, but how you have two calf strains in both legs, you know, we're not in Tampa, we're not in California, so the heat obviously isn't a huge factor into it. But, you know, I think, you know, with the back surgery, with all these other things, he, he definitely needs to figure out um, something better, something better that's not working for him. And it's unfortunate, but um, I, I really love Darnell Wright. Uh, he's the guy I always say, he's like, He's like one of those cars from the new Fast and Furious movies. He's like a mixture of a bulldozer and a race car. I mean, he's an absolute stud. Um, but, you know, I, I love what we're seeing from this entire squad. Lucas Patrick, for right now, is healthy for the first time in a long time. And I am still oh, here on Lucas Patrick. <laughs> if, he can, if he can stay on the field, he's a stud. But more times than not, he can't. And that's that's really what I took away from it, Perez, is understanding this team and this offensive line is ready to win. But are they all going to be on the field at the same time? You just can't predict that right now. And I think that's going to kind of be the narrative throughout this season. Now, Mike, I got to ask you, you talk about Lucas practice. Are you talking about him as a left guard or as a center? When you talk about him, well, Cody right here is going to be a left guard. So Right. Yeah. I've I watched a lot of Lucas Patrick. And I think to Perez's point, you know, you understand that Cody Whitehair, especially at this age in this position right now, he's looked a lot better at guard than he has at center. Um, I, I like a lot what I'm seeing from Lucas Patrick. First of all, he's a psycho in, in all the good ways. I mean, he's the guy, you know, he'll, he'll smack your head five times after a touchdown and you just kind of look at him like, whoa, like he, he's, he's that guy. He brings the energy. He's there. He's electrifying. And, and I think he's somebody you would want under center. He's somebody that I would trust under center. Uh, he does have a little uh, immo immobility, I, I think is the, is the key word right there. I think I'd like to see a little bit more from him uh, from an athletic standpoint, but he's also very good at understanding where he needs to be and where everybody else needs to be. So I, I like him under center because um, I like more, more to the president's point, I like Cody at guard better. When they brought him here, most Bears fans, we were all on the same page of like, man, the fact that he worked with Getsy. We were all excited about that, and he brought that positional versatility here. Those things are still true, right? Yep. However, to the point you made about Tevin Jenkins a second ago about taking care of his body, yep. which I 100% agree with. We talked about that last week on the show. Yep. I was like, dude, is there an issue with our strength and conditioning? Why are there so many injuries? Why does Tevin Jenkins have calf strains of both legs? So we did talk about that. But to the point you look at it, look at the offensive line right now. As you guys both mentioned, Darnell Wright injured. You had Cody White here out, even though it was a hand injury. But it's still all these injuries that are popping up. And that's what we asked last week on the show. What's going on with these guys? Why is everybody out? And we compared it to during the Lovey Smith tenure when all those guys had those mysterious hamstring strains. And so it's just one of those things that, to your point, Mike, from a conditioning standpoint, were guys ready to go when they went into training camp? See, that's why it, it just begged a different question for me of, like, why is everybody getting hurt? Like, weren't you guys fucking preparing for this shit? And mind you, that's that's just the offensive line that you just named. Like, if we're really breaking down the wide receivers, if we're breaking down the defense, I mean, we were looking at 12-plus guys that could potentially miss week one just a couple weeks ago. Right, and, and it's exactly. obviously right. 
it, it's a lot better than it is right now. I believe we only got a few guys that are probably going to miss week one. Um, you know, Chase Claypool just got cleared and a couple other guys just got cleared. But, man, I mean, we, we didn't really get to see the best version out of anybody at camp other than DJ Moore and company because it, it really was a depleted defense, a depleted offensive line, in and out. Even Cole Komet went down for a little bit. Right. You know, it's it's questionable. And it's the premise that you said that if the offensive line can hold up, Justin Fields could have an MVP type season. So it was interesting during the presser to just kind of hear where Ryan Pohl saw the progress of Justin Fields because we could all say all these things about what he did last year, right, and how he broke right. records. But it was interesting to see how the GM, the guy that's putting this thing all together, how he kind of saw things kind of coming into fruition, especially Justin Fields as a passer. I thought it was good to hear him talk about um, Justin Fields as a passer. And I think one of the specific things you talked about a lot about Perez in the past when it comes to Justin Fields is getting rid of that ball a little bit sooner and quicker. I think the fact that he go through his reads and all that stuff, we know that improvement in that area. But the fact that Ryan Poles highlight that, that we're going to get a better Justin Fields, a guy that's going to make quicker throws and things of that nature, that's the that's the, going to be the key, right? We're talking about getting sacks. He feels that the sacks are going to be less. He also feels like the interceptions are going to be less coming to this season as well. So, But that's all because of how he feels about Justin Fields' growth. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with that more, Dub. And, and I think the big thing for me is not overhyping someone. You're not sitting here mm -hmm. and saying – we're going to see Justin Fields throw 4,000 yards and rush 1,000 yards. We're, we're not right. going to see them get away from that idea of him running the ball because it's been so successful with him at Georgia. It's been so successful with him at OSU. It's been successful with him in high school. All the way up to peewee football, this kid understood that he is probably going to be the best athlete on the field offense, defense, whatever it is, he's going to be the most athletically gifted guy on the field. So you're not going to get completely away from the run game. But I think the idea is we need you to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. That's the standard. That's what it is. And if you can rush 1,000 yards, that's cool. If you can do whatever you need to do to win this game, I love it. But at the end of the day, we want to mold you into being a Patrick Mahomes, a Jalen Hurts, somebody that's a dual threat guy who yep. can just be the best version of themselves. And when you position somebody in this stake with DJ Moore and all these other assets that we can name up and down all day long. Um, more so excited to see what Luke Getze actually has to offer to this team because obviously last year, he didn't have a lot to work with, and it was really just kind of a throw Justin Fields out there and let him do him. Um, but we got to remember that this was an offense in the second half of the year last year that averaged 30 points a game, and we were still losing every single game. So right. I'm really interested to see, with the defense looking as good as it could potentially be, let's see Justin Fields get back to that on top of having new weapons, on top of being in another year in the system, being able to actually explore the playbook I'm excited to see the best versions of themselves. And I think that's why you didn't hear Ryan Poles to get back to the presser. You didn't hear Ryan Poles get too deep into what last year was. I don't think right. he cared. It's just real. One of the things that when I was listening to Poles speak, he talked about the anticipation, right? And those are things that we've seen in practice. At family day, you guys saw that route and the touchdown that he threw to DJ Moore. Right. That was a perfect example of what Ryan Poles has probably seen. And it's what we've seen, is having that trust in his receiver. He threw that ball to a spot, and he trusted that DJ Moore was going to get that shit. Yeah. That's the thing right there that Justin did not do last season. People always said Justin only threw to wide open people. He doesn't throw people wide open. Well, this year you're going to see different than that because we're already seeing that in the song. Mm -hmm. And, and I love he, the fact that, you know, the Poles brought that point up. And what he did say is how this playbook, 
it's it's different now. I think Mike alluded to with Luke Gacy, right? How things are going to look. We see a lot of times with these screen passes now. When there's pressure on Justin Fields, how they making these three screen passes throws, and that can eat up a chunk of yards right there. And that seemed to be something in their back pocket that's going to happen more often than it did last season. Because we always wondered last year, where's the screen pass at? Pressure on Justin Fields, we're not ready, right? So I think this team now is changing a little bit more, right? So we're able to counter those type of pressure that's getting on Justin Fields. All right, so Mike, you talked about the running back position a second ago, and you you were surprised by some of those numbers uh, that they have at mm -hmm. that position. From your yeah, standpoint, Mike, what was a surprise cut for you? So obviously I talked about Gibson. I talked about Terrell Smith. What was a surprise cut for you? And what was a surprise guy that made the team, in your opinion? I understand what P.J. Walker was. I understand that it didn't look great whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. But I definitely think it was a surprising cut to me. I, I And for a specific reason being the availability of Justin Fields. I've watched this kid since high school, and, and I remember – this kid being one of the more electrifying guys coming out of my graduating class alongside with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I remember seeing these guys at pro days. I love them and they're absolute studs. But one thing I will say about Justin Fields is the best ability is availability. And there are times where Justin Fields isn't available and not to say that that's going to happen throughout this season, but to cut a verified backup quarterback for an undrafted rookie who didn't throw a, Chris, I understand he should have had a touchdown, but <laughs> did not throw a touchdown. I mean, let's be real about the situation. I think what you, I've heard from you and Dub this entire episode is it's only preseason, it's only preseason, it's only preseason. You know what I mean? And we all feel that way, even myself. You know, we're not going to take too much into it. We, we understood that with Travis Gibson. We understood that with Terrell Lewis. We understood that with everybody. But as Chicago fans, we saw another quarterback and we were like, this is what it is. He's going to be the next Brock Purdy. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. And we didn't take into account that, sure, he's going 9 for 10 against the third strings. But, again, <laughs> he's going 9 for 10 against the third strings. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Tyson brings. Um, but when I look at a running back, specifically like Homer, and I see Foreman, Johnson, Herbert, and all these other guys, I'm like, do we really need Homer right now? Like, could we right, keep right. Jay Walker on this roster? Maybe he's QB3. He could still be QB3. You can have Tyson as QB2. That's fine. But I feel like we're putting ourselves in a situation right now. And, and I'm so happy you brought that up to me, Press, because I, I didn't hear the uh, uh, Peterman news. I'm so happy he's back because for a while I was kind of like, man, I don't know. That's kind of – that's risky business right there. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're having conversations about Pettis. I always bring up Pettis. Um, Bayless Jones Jr., to me, is just, it is what it is. Now, I understand we just brought in Trent Taylor, who was amazing after 20-plus yards last year oh, yes, uh, as a punt returner. We have Tyler Scott. We have Claypool. We have Moore. We have Mooney. We have all the wide receivers. You need a punt returner. It's Dante Pettis. I mean, if you look at the stats, he is statistically the greatest punt returner in NCAA history, and that's not something a lot of people know. But it, it's definitely something for me where I'm like, I'm watching, I'm counting six muffed punts or, or kick returns, wh whichever one you want to put a box in by Valus Jones Jr. And he made this 53 man. It, it, it's crazy. So, Mike, I was going to say, because we, we touched on this last week on the show, but I love the path that you're going down because we did not hit it from the standpoint of talking about Valus versus Dante. We talked about the fact that we were sad that he ended up on IR because he's sure-handed back there, doesn't muff punts. Valus Jones, man, he is—he's on his last fucking chance with this with this regime. I, I promise you, he, he gotta be. I mean, Valus Jones, bro. <laughs> you think about it, and I heard Ryan Post talk about they're trying to groom him to be a punt returner. I'm like, 
have we seen enough already out of this guy at, at the punt return position to know that, hey, sometimes when the bright lights get on, he's just not ready for that, you know, that kind of pressure. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. that's what happens. Guys can freeze up. He could be one of those individuals, man, that really just frees up when showtime comes. So how many opportunities are you really going to try to give this guy? I mean, you even bring in a Trent Taylor. Why would you have to bring in a Trent Taylor if you don't really trust Vela Jones? That tells you to me that, hey, something is up with Vela Jones, and you want to now continue to develop the guy to at what cost? Because at some point, you're expecting something to click, and he talked about that, right, with players. Sometimes it's something that can click with them, and they take off, right? But how long are you going to wait with Vela Jones? Because to Perez's point, we're getting to that point. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. You have, you have to burn a roster spot because you can't trust this guy. Right. Like, they're, they're going to run him out of a kickoff return, which to the point that Mike made when he came on the show the first time, Vela Jones is electrifying in the return game. You saw what he did in Tennessee. Yep. However, the fact that you had to burn a roster spot, that could have been your P.J. Walker. You know, so yep. when you look at these type of things, it's just unfortunate that we had to burn a spot on a special teams guy, when we have Valus Jones there, when we have Tyler Scott there. That's the problem that I have. Yeah, for sure. And you know me, big GBO, big Tennessee fan over here. So to hear me say anything bad about Valus Jones is crazy. You know what I mean? So you're, still, <laughs> right. you're making us look bad, dog. I can't, I can't <laughs> represent this anymore. But no, I, I do agree with you, man. And there were a couple other guys on this defense that I think you could have looked at and said, again, we, we talk about Tyson versus PJ. It's the upside versus what I know I already have in you. And I would rather risk the upside of a defensive player, another offensive lineman, or somebody along those lines. Dan Feeney being brought into the mix. I love that. Um, you know, you, you have these conversations, though, and you say, what do I know I have in Bayless? Is five punts fumbled in one season, and then in your first preseason game, you do it again. And it's like, you, you have to call it for what it is. I understand upside is definitely a thing, but I'm running out of upside for Bayless Jones because this wide receiver room continues to get better and you continue to fall down the depth chart. And then I look Ooh. at you as a punt returner, kick returner, or even just a specialist, and I'm like, not, it's not translating from Tennessee to Chicago. And it's unfortunate that it hasn't been that case, but it's the reality of what it is. Listen, you drafted a 24-year-old returner that ain't fucking returning. That's a problem. Because we knew he was going to be a project of wide receiver. I mean, we knew that when they drafted him. And so we'll see what happens this season. But a surprise cut to me that most people may not look at it that way, Perez, was Alex Leatherwood. And let me just say why I think it's a surprise cut to me. This offensive line, as we talked about, you all just talked about it recently, about how it's been banged up. That seems to be a premium for the Bears, our offensive line. We've gone through the past few years where we've had players just go out at any given time. And Alex Leatherwood, I thought, had potential. We didn't see it all, right, um, thus far, but I thought there was still time. That's what I thought when it came to him, that we can still see this guy continue to get better, see if he can elevate. But to see how they cut him, I was like, well, we're going to cut a guy knowing we have all these injuries and we got some uncertainty on the O-line while we cut a guy like them. I understand we got somebody else in return right mm -hmm. then. Feeney, that's cool and all. We, Hey, look, the more the merrier. At this point, we're talking about our O-line. I loved what you said, is continue to get better. We haven't seen him get better at all. And, nope. and I think that's really the conversation that you're having. And, and watching him in Alabama, I mean, we're talking like a 6'6", 330-pound offensive lineman, a national champion. And that's amazing. All those accolades, especially coming from Nick Saban's regime, you expect huge things. You expect everybody that comes out of Alabama to at least be a vital piece to what you're trying to do, whether it's depth or whether it's as a starter. But I think what we're seeing from him is the transition from being an athlete against boys to – 
being an athlete against grown men. And I think that was always his problem coming out of college was he just kind of overpowers people. He overpowers people with his size, his athleticism. But when you get to the league, it's a totally different version. I mean, this guy has a problem with horizontal steps. I mean, he can't go vertical. He's only going vertical is what I meant to say. Um, you know, you, you see a guy that just can't keep up with the Khalil Max, the Joey Bosa's, the Micah Parsons, and understandably so. But when you're drafted in the first round, I got to start seeing something better than just he came to the Chicago Bears. And the only thing, Prez, I could tell you that I saw from Alex Leatherwood was him get mono. That was it. That was it, and I uh, I saw him in Chicago cut. He had the biggest fucking piece of steak I've ever seen a, a man eat in my life, but that's <laughs> all I've seen him do in the city. I was going to piggyback on something that you said earlier in the show, Mike. You talked about the fact that it was refreshing to, for you to see Ryan Poles eat that $2 million in guaranteed money on Carter. Well, guess what? They ate almost $5 million by cutting Leatherwood. So that shows you what this regime, that they're not shy. If they feel like something is a mistake and a project that went wrong, they're going to cut ties. Mm -hmm. You already saw in this guy's career, to the point that you just made a second ago, Mike, he's been a project in, in, for the Raiders. They cut bait. We think that we can do something with him here. He catches mine up. And from there, it was a downhill situation for him. Another thing, you know, that you brought up, Mike, though, which I think is also a part of the puzzle, is Carter outplayed him. Love so it kid. was an easy decision for them to make. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, man, I see you and I see how talented you are and, and I understand what you could potentially be, but sometimes it's just not there. Sometimes that next level just isn't NFL caliber and that's okay. I know we know plenty of guys in the shy, absolute insane hoopers. I mean, they walk into a YMCA, they walk into an export and they absolutely dominate on Sunday mornings. But the reality is when you get to the... D1 universities, when you get to the NCAA, when you get to the NFL, there's a next level. And I think, respectfully, as of right now, Alex Leatherwood's next level was just college uh, college football. And, and I think that's something yeah. that is okay. That's okay. You know, you made it to the NFL. And, and that is, there's no negative about that. I mean, you made it to the highest level. But to have sustained success, you need to be able to have that second gear. And, and we just never saw that from him. Now, on the show last week, Mike, you, you obviously weren't on, but Dub and I, we kind of talked about our predictions on him. What's one surprise person that we thought was going to get cut? And Mike, Dub had one that was pretty controversial with the listeners. We got a lot <laughs> of feedback. So, Dub, thank you very much for the engagement because I had people talking at least. But Dub, <laughs> <laughs> Dub had Dominic Robinson as his surprise cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Dub? You know what, Dub? I respect it. I respect it. Just in because the, you went out there and said it, I respect it. In, in the, hey, Mike, he he put his meat on the table, no? Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, it, for me, Mike, it was all about competition. Right. Talk about competition against the other players, the Terrell mm -hmm. Lewis's of the world, Travis Gibson. You talk about what the Dominique Robinson really did, and mm -hmm. from a competition standpoint, he lost that battle. Now, you want to say, talk about what we think he could potentially be down the road? I get it, right? You, mm -hmm. 2022 pick, you understand? Fifth round draft pick, I get all that stuff, right? He's a project from the get-go. So you right. may want to give him another chance. I understand that. But we're just talking strictly competitiveness and battling against the other guys. I think he lost that battle when you talk about that part of the game. And that's what I was really looking at most more than the business side of it. So basically, audience, what, what you guys are hearing here is a man that is doubling down. And so... <laughs> 
I love it. And, 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 I, and I respect it, Dub. I really do. Because I hate when people backtrack on their takes. So right. stand in it, right? And I love yeah. that. We knew that wasn't going to happen. The rest of us knew that shit wasn't going to happen. But I still <laughs> love you and I respect you. I brought up Micah Baskerville. Now, this is a kid, an undrafted guy. And Brian Poles and his staff, not enough people talk about the job that they do, not only just with their draft picks, but the, with the scouts that are working and finding these undrafted talents. Mm-hmm. And not just with the Tyson Beijing and the Baskerville. Look at last year with Sambor. Yeah. This regime has done a phenomenal job. But I was surprised that Baskerville didn't make the 53. Because all he did all summer, I remember he, in one practice, he picked off Justin Fields twice. Yep. You know what I mean? 14 tackles through preseason. But anyway, he, they brought him back on the practice squad. But for me, that was, surpri- that was a surprise. But I guess if you could count on your fucking punt returner, you wouldn't have to cut guys like this that could play. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, I think you, you hit it on the head. I mean, we saw amazing things from him that your average fan isn't going to see because obviously a lot of fans only tune in around the preseason or right up to it. And, and I think right. if you were watching camp, if you were watching every single day, the way the way that our guys at this network were amazingly doing with amazing coverage. And if you haven't checked it out already, you definitely should. Um, shameless plug. My man. But My man. It, it's one of those things where you, you definitely need to be observant the entire summer. From the day the day it first crosses 80 degrees to right towards <laughs> September, you need to start to have those conversations. Like you need to start to say, well, what did we see from him? Not in live action, but every single day in our facility, in our camp. And I think sometimes more than not, Ryan Poles is one of those guys that goes after character than he does after talent. And, and I think that's definitely something that I'm interested to see out of guys like Tyson Bajan. But to your point with Micah, I think, you know, the, the real understanding is man, we just have a very deep room and a very deep room. And, yeah. and we talked about Travis Gibson, like Travis Gibson was drafted relatively high. And, and I think the fact that he didn't care what happened with him shows that he doesn't care what happens to pretty much anybody who's lower than a fifth round pick. So um, amazing production. I, I definitely think, you know, good things are to come in his career, but it, it is unfortunate to see that one go. But to the point that you made, Mike, and I think this is the greater point, which I agree with, it goes to show you the strength of this roster. Yeah. And one of the things that I think we all can agree on is that this roster is significantly improved from last season. Right. Surprise cut as well. It was Larry Borum. That didn't happen. So I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right, I just want you to know, I, I stand with Doug. <laughs> but, well, I'll say this, though. I could have saw Borum. As soon as you uttered those words, Dominique Robinson, out of your mouth, what did I say to you, Doug? You were like, you were thinking more about the fact that the length of time he went with the, with the team already, and you're like, they might not possibly do that. And that he was a project, and you know how yep. these you know how these GMs about their little projects. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Larry Borough, man, please, he on borrowed time. Trust me. I went through that, Perez. He definitely on borrowed time, bro. Definitely on borrowed time. To Mike's now. point about conditioning, that's that's the first guy my, my mind went to. I was watching him at camp a couple times. It looked like he was walking around in quicksand out there. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, <laughs> I could have saw that one. Potentially, you know what I'm saying? If they'd have brought somebody else in here, but he got one more year here, so you better enjoy Chicago. <laughs> yeah, man, you're right. He's on borrowed time for sure, Perez. If they don't see much out of him, man, it's the right on the wall already. Well, he's going to be your swing guy. But my whole thing is if I see him on the field, man, I'm going to be worried for Justin. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm worried for Larry. He's what, four concussions deep now in the last He's had years? a lot of those. Yeah, a lot well. of them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried more Larry than I am Justin, but damn. 
I don't know. Uh-huh. I think we could. I think we could be worried for both because I'm talking about that dude. That's quicksand, bro. For sure. You you watch him on on film, boy. It was some games last season with me and Doug was breaking down film, and I'm like, look at this guy. <laughs> I hate to do that because I love his mama. His mama right. cool. Right, so right. I, I wish he played like her. How she tweets. I wish he played like that. Man, she's awesome. No, ain't nobody hype you up more than your mama, man. That's just man, what it is. I promise you. But promise you, you heard it. You heard it here first. All Chicago State of Mind. Having these conversations right now, we just gave him the new nickname of Mr. Sandman, and and I hope you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sandman, I like it. <laughs> that's right. Hey, they used to what we do over here at DBE, man. That's 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 what we do. But, but hey, Mike, man, before we get up out of here, fellas, mm-hmm. I want a Week One prediction Ooh. against the Packers. I got thirty-five, fourteen Bears. Um, I'm not playing playing anymore, man. And I think the last time I came on here, you know, I I, I was very optimistic, but I think you also have that sense of realism to where like, we don't have a pass rush at all. Like, that's just what it is now. I mean, what I've seen from Zach Pickens, what I've seen from Javon Dexter senior against, against Quentin Nelson in practice. I mean, bringing in Yannick Ngakwe, having DeMarcus Walker back. We're looking at a front four, front five, potentially, of over 12 sacks from last season. Last season, we talk about only having six. That's double on the defensive line alone. And I think when you have those conversations, seeing Tyreek Stevenson, seeing everybody else, Jordan Love, Jordan Dove, Jordan Cove, I don't give a fuck. Bears are winning. And we're going to do it viciously. I mean, I think it's going to be very exciting. Um, obviously, we got a couple guys missing, and and that's going to be a part of it. But Claypool is back, Jackson's back, Sanborn's back, um, Tremaine Edmonds. I, I love seeing Tremaine Edmonds in a Chicago Bears uniform with pads on. He didn't yes, look great sir. in his final yep. preseason game, but it's okay. You know what I mean? Like we're we're, we're back at it. So I'm going 35, 14 Bears, 26, 10 Bears. Mm. I, I think 46 to 10. Yep. Okay. I just like. I like the fact the Bears are going to just come in there and show some offense. We're going to be a little rusty. That's why they're putting in the 30s because it's going to show some rust there. But yeah. I still think the Bears are going to figure some things out. And, again, to Mike's point, I just don't trust Jordan Love at all, bro. So I'm not sure what the Packer Nation see over there with that guy, but I don't see enough to say, hey, this guy is somewhere even near Aaron Rodgers. Not worried. I don't I think, think everybody they, has I, don't even, I don't even think they think that shit, bro. So I, I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I haven't heard one person. I I talk to a lot of Packer fans, man. A lot of my buddies are up in Wisconsin, but um, I haven't heard one person really say to me like, "You remember? You guys remember? Not to get too long with it, but you remember how it was." Aaron Rodgers in year two of sitting behind Favre, you know, you understood like, "Hey, this guy's coming. This guy's oh, they knew, right, right, right." Like, mm-hmm. You knew he was he was on the way. Patrick Mahomes under Alex Smith, you heard like rumblings, like, hey, they're leaking footage of him in practice. Like, right. he looks like a stud. And then you hear Jordan Love, and what is this, year four? Mm-hmm. No one cares. Nah. <laughs> right. <laughs> nah. Like, it's just, I'm cool, bro. I'm good on that. No, nah, we, we good. I, I'm going to say 23 to 13 Bears, of course. Okay. Everything you guys said, I agree with, right? I think that we're going to catch the Packers at the right time. Now, do will they have time to get it together? Sure. Week one, it's not going to be that time. But we also can't forget about Christian Watson, the playmaker, who lit our asses up last season. Yeah, he's on my boy. fantasy team. He's on yeah, my see? fantasy team. You, you smart man because he's a playmaker. All he do is score touchdowns. He scored a touchdown right now as we fucking podcast. So he's probably <laughs> somewhere scoring a touchdown. But my point is, 
I look at right now, there's no Aaron. You yep. got Jordan. I've watched some film from him from preseason. I've watched him at practices, throwing ducks, throwing picks. So not impressed. Not impressed at all. However, will I give them time in the middle of the season to the end of the season to fix things? Sure. But mm-hmm. that ain't week one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> exactly. It ain't going to be week one. But you know what? We got our own issues that we got to figure out because we got to get that rhythm on offense. We talked about it on the last show. Yeah. But there was not a lot in that last preseason game. And I know preseason, whatever. But there was not a lot I saw rhythm-wise Mm-mm. that made me like, okay, let's go. So we got our own shit that we got to worry about. Our defense. We haven't even seen what this defense can even do yet. On paper, it looks good. It sounds good. But we don't know what that shit is. So we got our own question marks. So I just want to make sure that people are listening to this. Just know that while we know that we're going to beat the Packers' ass, I still got some concerns going into the season. Well, listen, fellas, man. This is Hey, Mike, for real, as always, dope having you on. We'll definitely have you back on after the week one game, and we'll chop it up with you there. But, man, audience, we are just so excited about the fact that we don't have to talk about any more fucking preseason games. <laughs> <laughs> that we can talk about real shit here. We got the 53-man roster set. The practice roster is set. Man, I'm just excited. Before you get out of here, just remind the audience once again of your socials. And like I said, you'll be back on week one with us. Yes, sir. It's always a blessing being here with you guys, man. It's the realest podcast. Uh, none of that bullshit. You get the X's and O's, and that's all you get. You don't get any of the, you know, other outside factors. So I always love hopping on here, man. I always love being a part of this. Um, you could always find me on all social media platforms at the shy dot kid um, on TikTok, especially. We just hit 12k followers. That's been an absolute blessing, and I appreciate everybody who's tuned in. Um, but if you haven't hit follow button on this podcast, I, I definitely suggest it because not only will you see more of me, you'll see more of the best to do it in Dub and Press. So I'm really excited to see what this season means for not only you guys, but just for Bears fans as a whole. I think it's time to get back going. I think it's time for the monsters of the midway to return, and it's going to be an absolute blast, man. Hey, again, Mike, thanks so much. Hey, audience, tap in with Mike. Mike's a real one. You know we only invite people on this show that fit the mold of how me and Adel rock and how we do business and how we talk about sports. We didn't talk that stat bullshit and all that fucking stupid dumb shit how people talk about sports. We talk about real shit, the shit that real people want to hear about, and that's why we're going to continue to bring you guys guests like Mike each and every week. But, hey, we appreciate you guys for making us a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast. On to Green Bay, and we are out. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.